here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hello, I'm Jason Pennypacker from New Jersey Coasters, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Jacopo. I'm the Frills United Coaster representative from Rome, Italy, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hello, my name is Paul Cooper from Frill Voice Photography, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Grace Peacock, Director of Communications at Canada's Wonderland, and you are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and let us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can dry up all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please, secure your hats and glasses, and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, Andrew Locke. This is Andrew. I've got a special guest from uh, across the uh, world here today, pretty pretty far distant guest one of the probably the furthest away uh guests that we've had here on the show uh and our first guest from this particular country i'd like to welcome to the podcast mark from switzerland how you doing mark i'm doing fine thank you Andrew. awesome awesome glad to you just stay up here late given the time difference and uh, talk to us today so so um first thing we'd like to have you do mark is uh, you know of course i know you we've known each other for a while now we've out a couple times but our listeners i probably don't know you not not all of them at least so why don't you tell us about yourself and your love of parks and coasters yeah so hi uh, my name is mark i am from switzerland i'm 22 years old um my home park is europa park uh, i'm i lived in switzerland my entire life i started riding coasters uh, since like my first few years, even before I remember or, or even before I uh, could think clearly, I rode coasters. Um, I have many memories from Europa Park and I've been there so many times. And um, coasters uh, really or coasters and theme parks really only began later in my life. Like I am 22 now, but they this they only started to be really relevant uh, in my late uh, or like when I was about, I don't know, 15 years old, I only then gained interest of roller coasters. So that's pretty much um, that. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you were, you said just a few years old when you first, you rode your first coaster. Will you, you go with your parents or like, you know, what was that? Uh, yeah, usually we would go, um, like, there was, uh, there are a couple of fairs uh, around our town. Uh, like, there's one big fair, you know, uh, all those big fairs in Europe with all the flat yeah. rides and all. And I remember my first coaster actually was a small little powered coaster uh, at our local fair. But uh, then we would also go uh, to Europa Park every uh, every year, at least once or probably just once every year. 
And yeah. we went there when it was just a smaller theme park, not very well known, not the market or like the very large coasters that we have now. And the one visit that um, like we would go there every year, as I said, and there was like just not as much to do as there is now, but um, it was still a fun park. And uh, yeah, you know, that's yeah yeah okay okay yeah and we'll we'll probably be talking more about your park yet later i'm sure with various questions knowing knowing your preferences and and, and history and all that so uh yeah and, and certainly it must have been a different place because calling using the word small and europa park those you cannot use those together yeah, I, nowadays I, I, so <laughs> i realized yeah. that is a bit of something uh what would you say, Mark, is the coaster that you've ridden in your life that has scared you the most? You were the most, uh, you know, uh, most anxiety about before riding. Um, Blue Fire at Europa Park. Uh, I I told you um, when we were at Europa Park. I I told you all yeah. that stuff, but um, for the viewers, uh, so Blue Fire Mega Coaster um, is a Mugrides multi-launch coaster, and I was really, really. Uh, I, I think it was 2010 when we were at the park and there was this big new coaster at Europa Park and I was really scared of riding it uh, because it had inversions and a launch and I was like super scared of that and right. so we went to the park with my family uh, like my mother my brother yes I have a brother and my stepdad and so we went to the park and I actually I actually chickened out on riding the coaster at first and just observed it or like watched it go. And then when my brother and stepdad came back from their first ride, I uh, took up the courage and I decided to join them for a second ride. And as soon as like we were in the queue and as closer as we got to the station, my nerves were building up. Uh, I I still remember my hands feeling sweaty, but as soon as that launch kicked in, it was all gone. Like um, I had, I, can I say I had that uh, high and all fear was gone. And from then on out, I was like practically seeking or like I was having the fun of my life. And that's how I got over the fear. Nice. Okay. Okay. And you said that was in 2010. Yeah. Okay. So, was there. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that was so you're about ten years old. Um I don't uh I was I was nine. I was nine. Nine. Okay, nine yeah. years old. Wow, it's pretty young. Okay. Now was that your first launch coaster? Yeah, that was my first launch coaster. Okay. And it was your first coaster with inversions? Yeah. Um that Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, when you talk about people's fears with coasters, it's usually, usually one of three things, inversions or height or launches, you know, like fast speeds or acceleration. And, you know, generally when people uh, kind of break their fears on coasters, they, you know, like, like David told you before we start recording, he was afraid of inversions and he went on a coaster, um, California Screaming, now in Credit Coaster, which only has one loop. 
So that was a good kind of step up coaster for him to kind of face that fundamental fear. But, you know, you, you got on a coaster that, you know, is as a launch and as emergence, all those things you didn't do. So I, I definitely understand why you were intimidated by it when you, and you like, you chickened out, like you said, the first time. So your dad and your stepbrother got off of it and then you decided to have the courage to get on it. Did they, was it because of what they told you about it or the reaction to it or? Um, they basically just said that was an awesome ride and um, I would really miss something if I wouldn't join them for a third ride. Uh, okay, ride. yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's a little bit of like a peer pressure. We see that a lot later, telling you like, hey, come on, you know, you're really going to enjoy this. And yeah, yeah it, it makes a lot of sense. Sort of peer pressure, but also I, I, I really wanted to go on it because I would regret not going on it if I wouldn't have. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, when we give in to fear in life, we miss out on things. You know, whether it be a, you know, you, a job that you didn't, you know, you got nervous about interviewing for, or applying for, uh, you know, asking someone out on a date, you know, you know, whatever it may be, you know, miss out on things by being afraid. Uh, so you said that your fear disappeared as soon as the launch happened, which makes sense. Because that, that, you know, it's a pretty good launch. It's uh, uh, before Ride to Happiness. Uh, Blue Fire was my uh, most impressive mock launch. You know, I'm used to these kind of weaker launches, mock coasters mm -hmm. here in the U.S. We don't we don't have the good mock coasters like you guys do. Hopefully that changes. But uh, so I totally get it. So talk to me about how you felt after you got off Blue Fire for the first time. What, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? So it was actually pretty funny. So I mentioned how my brother actually rode it with my stepdad uh, once and I chickened out. So they rode it again, but with me. And right after we got off, I wanted to jump in line again because it was so much fun. But I, I literally wanted to marathon it because before I even knew what marathoning a coaster was like. Um, but they said, uh, no, there's so much else to do at the park. Let, let's return later. So, um, but I, I was insisting for like uh, an hour, a good hour or so to go back and ride it again because I, I was just so blown away. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. You had a good reaction to it. So since riding Blue Fire, You've not, have you had any fears of riding new coasters you haven't been on yet? Uh, you know, how, how have things been different for you? Well, definitely not fears, but um, I kind of had respect for, for some new or for some other coasters uh, like Carajo at Erlitness Park Trips Thrill. I definitely, um, this was my second launch coaster, I think. Yeah, pretty much. And I heard that yeah. this loan is going to be even stronger. This was, I wrote this first in 2021. Uh, no, wrong, 2020. And I just heard that the launch is going to be much more intense than the one on Blue Fire. And I was uh, a little bit scared, but I also knew it wouldn't be that bad. But uh, I still had some sort of respect. And then also when I wrote Fly for the first time, or when I went to write Fly for the first time, it was my first flying coaster, so I didn't know how it was going to feel. And so I also had a little respect from that position or from that concept. So, but ever since that, I've, I've grown a pretty, um, like, how do you say? Um, I didn't have any more fears and I was, yeah, it just. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. So, like for example, fly because I, you know, I've, I've of course been on fly, so I can relate to that one. I've not been a trip stroll yet. Uh, you did, you know. Obviously, there's a lot of mystery with fly. You know, in terms of the the loading system, and you know, you're in a show building, and uh, you don't really see the ride once you're inside, and you know, you've never been a flying coaster, so a lot, a lot of mystery and new stuff there. But you, you were not afraid of fly like you were of blue fire. No, definitely not, because I, I have okay. gotten quite a lot of experience with riding coasters at um, close parks in uh, in my close proximity, so I knew sure. what, what, what I was get, getting myself into. I just have never done the concept of a flying coaster, so that's right. one thing that just scared me, but um, yeah, it definitely wasn't on the fear level of Blue Fire, so... Okay. Okay. Now, by the way, you've been mentioning, maybe it's just coincidence, a lot of launch coasters. You know, Blue Fire, a coaster trip stroll you mentioned, you know, Fly. Are, are, are you more into launch coasters than, say, conventional lift hill coasters? Um, it really depends if, um, like, no, if you have, of course, a good first drop on a roller coaster, then I would yeah. obviously take it over a drop, but um, launch coasters just happen to be the coasters that most changed or like were significant in my story um there was actually the point in 2012 where i first rode silver star i was just tall enough to get on yeah. silver star and i was actually also quite scared of that um because it was really really tall now i don't have a fear of heights but that that drop just still looked intimidating and right. even though I liked riding coasters, I knew how fun it was and all, I, I still have respect from that height. Like, I go in with a lot of respect for every new coaster that I ride, no matter how big or how fast or how forceful or whatever it is. So, Right, right, right. Interesting. Um, so just actually, while I'm thinking of it, so because, you know, I know you know a lot about the Europa Park. So, of course, Europa is owned by the Mach family, and most of the coasters there, not all, are Mach coasters. In fact, some of them are even prototypes of Mach coasters. So, you know, Wodan, of course, you know, that's a GCI, and but Mach doesn't really make wooden coasters, so it makes sense they would work with another company like GCI. So, do you think that, given just the time frame of when Mach had Silver Star installed, they weren't really doing hyper coasters yet? Do you think that that's why they went with B and M, or like, do you think if they were to build a hyper coaster now, they would you they would build their own coaster? I think, um, yeah, I, I we see that Muck can do now hyper coasters. I mean, we see that with DC Rivals Exodus. Right. Um, there were actually, uh, I don't know if you know that, but there were actually plans to go with another unknown manufacturer and have a completely different layout. But I imagine oh. if they wouldn't have built a hyper until uh, like 2020 or something like that, they would definitely right. uh, have built their own hyper coaster. And um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to mention um, like anything else. What I, yeah, I think Silver Star is definitely not ideal. I would much rather have a mock coaster. But uh, yeah. Silver Star is really, really popular, and um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I mean, it's a good coaster. It's not the best B&M Hyper that I've been on. It's, it's a solid one, but 
um, with as much as I've heard people, friends of mine that have been on DC Rivals rave about it. You know, I would love to would would love to see Silverstar be be a, be a, like a DC Rivals and be a mock hyper. But you know, it is what it is. But uh, anyway, so I was just curious, get your perspective on that. So, conquering your fears on Blue Fire, how would you say that that impacted your life? Well, it definitely impacted my life in uh, having now a main hobby. Like, if I wouldn't have written Blue Fire, I would have uh, looked for another way to keep uh, and to take up my free time. Obviously, now I spend a lot of time uh, riding roller coasters, going to theme parks, and designing my own coasters in No Limits. And if that didn't happen with Blue Fire, like if I for some reason decided now nah, roller coasters aren't a thing for me i obviously wouldn't be here so uh, right. now that now that i've written blue fire uh, it spiraled down into all this um all those events that have followed since and obviously this takes up most of my time now so right so basically you know it makes sense by conquering your fear on blue fire you know you developed a passion for coasters and parts yeah and it, it gave you this hobby yeah sure sure makes a lot of sense so if we take a step back from just the fear and facing your fears on blue fire and so forth how would you say that coasters and theme parks have had a significant positive impact on your life um for sure um europa park is my home park and it's always been that way and it's definitely Europa Park definitely feels like my second home. I think a lot of coaster enthusiasts can relate to that, um, that their home park sort of feels like a se second home. Like for me personally, sure. I feel like very comfortable being there. Like I, 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 I forget all my worries uh, when I'm there. I forget all my problems. I just, I just feel well there. And, um, yeah, if I'm there, that is my happy place. I can just be there and not ride any ride. I, I can just be there and be happy. So that's that. Sure. Sure. It makes a lot of sense. And you know, some of the things you mentioned there about, you know, not worrying about things and getting an escape from life and your life that, you know, that's what we call theme park therapy. And, you know, whether it be riding a coaster or just enjoying the theming, you know, going on, you know, amazing dark rides like, um, uh, you know, like Pirates of Matavia, you know, how it just draws your attention, the, the, the sights, the sounds, even the smells, like the cinnamon room, <laughs> which is so intense in a good way. Uh, you know, it just, it, it keeps your attention on what's going on, the fun you're having, and you get to a break from whatever stress is in your life. So it's a good thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So next few questions are some fun questions. And I know you are, like me, you are not afraid to share your opinion on things. You're really good about that. So <laughs> even if it's even if it's a hot take, and that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. So first question, this is always a fun one, is what has been your craziest moment on a coaster? Yeah, so um, you sent me all those questions a couple of weeks in advance, and I yeah. wasn't really sure what was meant by that, but um, I have some bullet points written up. And I also told you that in when we were at Europa Park, but I rode Blue Fire uh, 30 times in a row without getting off. That's probably uh, the craziest experience that I've had 30 times in a row at night without getting off my seat. And that was like little, literally heaven for me. But there also was that one time where um, 
where where I got evac from Eurometer, like I was stuck in the spiral lift hill for like 30 minutes and then we had to get evac because there was a power outage for a short moment and then we had to walk down the entire spiral like we were pretty close to the top and we had to walk down all the spiral and it took like I don't know eight minutes or something like that to walk down and that was also pretty crazy but um i have a lot oh, more wow. stories that i could sure share that would fit this question but um we would sit yeah but those are yeah yeah <laughs> you know thank you no those, those two are those are pretty crazy stories uh that's pretty extreme marathoning on a coaster that's one of the most popular coasters in the park so not easy to necessarily marathon a coaster like that from what I've seen. So that's pretty crazy. And then the uh, your other story about evacs. I mean, evacs are, are are you know coaster enthusiasts. We we seek them out. You know, they're like they're um, they're flexes for us. You know, and uh, we've had some other people with this question talk about some evacs, but that's a pretty pretty impressive evac. You know, with that unique spiral lift system and you know really pretty tall and inside that structure and you you got evac towards the top that's you know that walking down the spiral staircase you know the only thing i've done like that in my life is uh i i once went to the statue of liberty in new york and it's a spiral staircase to go up it and that's the only time i've done like a spiral staircase for like a long distance so it's pretty crazy though yeah i, I can yeah. understand that, that, that what that was like for you yeah so I think I know the answer to this next question, or I think you might even have two answers knowing you, perhaps, but what would you say is your favorite coaster? How did you know that I have two answers? How, how did you know that? Because I know you. <laughs> okay. And I know what both answers so, are going to be. I know it, but hey, I know that point is not that I so, know you, it's that, you know, you're, you're, you're getting introduced to our audience here. So uh, go ahead and tell them. Tell us those two favorite, launch coasters that are, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, favorite coaster can be interpreted in two ways, you know, as my all-time favorite coaster and my actual number one. And uh, my all-time right. favorite coaster as of now, you probably know it is Blue Fire. I told you how much I love this ride. I, I marathoned right. it 30 times in a row. Um, I am pretty, uh, I, I'm the, like, I have a... I don't, I don't, I don't want to brag with my Instagram following, but um, I'm pretty well known as that blue fire crazy guy. And um, <laughs> yeah, blue fire. You know, I I told you that everything started for me with blue fire, and that's pretty much the reason why I love this coaster so much. But also because it consistently gives me a fun ride. It consistently has good forces. Like, I have never had a ride that disappointed me, uh, unlike some other coasters where, uh, where you have some good days or bad days or good hours or bad hours where they run slow. I always had a good ride. And I also really love Blue Fire because, um, like, Blue Fire doesn't have the best reputation in the coaster enthusiast community. And I think that it doesn't deserve, like, all the hate that it gets. Like, it's, sure, it's not the most forceful coaster, but um, it's also not forceless. Like, um, people who say that, um, I, I, I don't understand. But, um, yeah, those are all the reasons why I love Blue Fire. And now my actual number one coaster. Before, okay, before you get to your other answer, let's I mean, just kind of 
talk through what you said about your uh, your. So basically, you're you're identifying Blue Fire as kind of your your sentimental number one, your sentimental yeah. favorite, right? Pretty Which nice. makes sense, makes a lot of sense. And you know, it was you know your first. It was your the coaster that made you an enthusiast. Uh, it's and and you know you've gotten so many rides on it. You know one of your craziest moments was your thirty rides in a row and without getting up. And I totally get it. And you know, Mark, you know this from the last time we hung out, which was in the end of December, right before the New Year at Europa Park at your home park. And I had ridden Blue Fire before, and I agree with everything you said. Um, first of all, as you know, you know, I've ridden that all throughout the day. You and I together. You know, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And it's very consistent. It, it's like uh, it's 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 very much a world class coaster, in my opinion. A good world class, like top tier coaster, is one that you can sit at any seat and you can ride any time of day and get an awesome ride on it. And I, you know, I've never had a bad ride on on Blue Fire. Great, great rides. Great launch. Great layout. Um, you know, great inversions, good, good airtime over that overbank in the beginning, you know, at the top is great. And, you know, there's just so many great moments on it. And, uh, you know, and then those night rides we got when I was there in December, which is one of the reasons why I came to Europe to get epic night rides at Fantasialand and, and especially at, uh, you know, Europa Park as well. Uh, you know, with that lighting package, and it's just their great night rides in general, but that lighting package is stunning. And, you know, for me, it doesn't help that blue is my favorite color too. Um, but no, it is a, I think blue fire is one of the most underrated coasters in the world and that not to be named controversial YouTuber, um, doesn't know what he's talking about as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about opinions, but I mean, yeah, I don't get it. I mean, mock mock has, there's so many coasters that mock has made that are nowhere near as good as blue fire, like pretty much almost all the mock coasters here in the U S um, blue fire is much better than copper and strike, for example, um, in my opinion. But so, yeah, I totally get everything you said. I couldn't agree more. Um, and as you know, you know, my kind of top coaster list changed quite a bit because of my visit to Europe in December, you know, riding ride to happiness for the first time, my epic night rides on Terran, but also um, those those night rides on on um, Blue Fire, it pushed it into my top twenty five, and with almost you know better part of six hundred coasters now on my my list. I mean that's top twenty five is like really high up there. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with more with everything you said. So now let's talk about you know, like your kind of actual like best coaster in the world, non sentimental. Yeah, so my actual number one right now is Ride to Happiness uh, at Plopsal and the Pan. Uh, it's been like very talked about. Everyone that has ridden it has like has it very highly ranked on their uh, coaster list, and that's actually quite uh, quite funny because I went to Plopsal and the Pan on a quite spontaneous trip. I I hit up one of my friends, and then we were like. Um, Yo, Plotzeland is one of the only parks that is open during the off-season. Want to just go ride to Ride to Happiness? And he was like, yeah, let, 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 let's go. So we hopped on a train 10 hours both ways to go to the park and go back home. So we rode a train through the night. And then I had half an hour of sleep. And then I rode Ride to Happiness. And 
it it ran it ran really really slow like it was ridiculously slow it, i wrote it two weeks before it stalled on the top hat there was a, a incident where it stalled on the top hat i wrote it yep. two weeks before when it was crawling through the layout and yet it still was good enough to make it to my number one spot and when 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 this was the case like it it ran slow but it was still my number one I can't wait to rewrite it on its full speed, and I can't imagine what what happens. And um, I'm excited to do that because I'm actually going on an ERT uh, this summer, and I'm so excited to write it again with oh. full potential. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! Yes, that's right. You're going back during that. Uh, uh, oh no, that's. I was thinking of something else. I was thinking of when you're going to go to to Wallaby. You're going to go to that. Um, that uh, music yeah, festival, yeah, no, right? Something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's something else. I was thinking of using the parks, but well, uh, yeah, yeah. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about it when you go this summer, because you know my first time writing it. The only time I've been to Plopsa was on Christmas Day, which you would think, oh gosh, cold Christmas time, off season, like you. But you know they've corrected the issues that they had with it. You know that that prior prior winter. Uh, you know, again, where they had the incident where it stalled. Uh, and uh, that was, you know, right around the time you wrote it. And I have many things that I can say and have said about Ride to Happiness. Running slow is not one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you're going to have the time of your life. It's it's already cemented as your number one, but you're going to be ecstatic. And hopefully that ERT... Is it is it daytime or nighttime or what time what what time of day? Um, it's uh, after the park closes. We actually did oh. a ERT on Expedition G Force this past uh, September, and the same group now decided to, that we want to do an ERT on Ride to Happiness, and we only chose that coaster because they are both in Plopsa parks, like you know the same park chain, and they are really yeah. easy to work with to organize ERTs and. Um, yeah, that was the only logical step to do. I see. How much is it? What an hour, two hours? How much ERT you're gonna get? Um, on Expedition GeForce, we did ninety minutes, and um, on Ride to Happiness, I don't know how many, how how much. It, I think it will also be ninety minutes, but I okay. Don't... How big is the group that's doing the ERT? Um, we're gonna be, we're gonna fill both trains. I think um, that is. Um, 16 riders are per train. We're going to have 32 people. Okay, so be, you'll be able to stay on them for 90 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, that's that's going to be something. And have you had night rides on it? No, I did not. Oh, my gosh. So you're, you're going to get the, the ERT. You're going to get the uh, much faster performance speed, pacing, and so forth now that it's been fixed. Yeah. And you're getting the night ride. Wow, you're you're gonna be having. I cannot well, wait I don't to see know if It's gonna be a night ride because the park closes at like six or seven, and in summer, oh. go down until like eight, nine, ten p.m. or something like that. So maybe but, maybe your last maybe your last ride or two maybe it'll be night kind of night. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm glad you're either way that I get to ride ride to happiness at full speed. So that's that's a good yeah. thing. 
no, that'll be fantastic. Uh, I guess I'm looking forward to your reaction. That that's great. And yeah, um, Ride to Happiness is the best mock coaster in the world that I've experienced. Again, I've not ridden DC Rivals yet. Um, you know, or Helix, but no, uh, you know, I'm riding. Yeah, I okay. can't wait to ride Voltron at Europa Park. Oh yeah, that's gonna be exciting. That'll be next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be riding Helix this summer. Um, doing a coaster crew event. Um, uh, you know, for uh, Northern Europe, Scandinavia, and all that. Uh, but he and I've heard good things about it. But it's going to really have to be something special to be brought to happiness. But we'll see. But uh, so on the other end of the spectrum for you, for your, for your mark, what would you say is your least favorite coaster? Um, here come one of the hot takes that you mentioned. Um, I have done a Vekoma SLC, so you might think it's that, but I actually have that Vekoma SLC in my top 20. Uh, my least favorite coaster is actually um, an Interpark Whirlwind. Um, it's a portable coaster made by Pinfari, and oh. it's that one roller coaster with a ridiculously small Immelman and triple helix. Um, Austin Amusement Insider wrote one of these when he was in Germany. Um, I don't know. It's it's really hard to explain. You might have to pull up a picture, but um, yeah, it, it it's a ridiculously small inverting coaster. It does two laps, and um, it has over the shoulder restraints. It was made by Pinfari. That's just a recipe for disaster. And um, yeah, I regret riding that coaster actually. All, all I can think right now is painful. That's all I can yeah. think of. I, yeah, I, I Pinfari's, mean, yeah. I rode this coaster when, like, we had, I, I mentioned that we have fairs around here. There is yeah. Basel Herbstmesse, and I rode this back in 2010. Oh. One, once and one time only. In 2010, when I was 10 years old, and I when I think about it and try to rank it higher in my coaster ranking, I just think back how much it hurt, how bad of a time I had, and um, yeah, no, uh, that's no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Pinfaris are among, I, I, you know, in my opinion, Pinfari is the steel equivalent of Roller Coaster Corporation of America, who oh, made, you know, who made the worst wooden coasters, you know, i.e., Bandit. <laughs> which is really bad. So, I mean, Finfari is just one of the worst um, steel coaster manufacturing company. It's just awful. But uh, I've, now, I've never ridden a good Finfari. But, uh, yeah, so I can understand. Having not ridden that coaster you mentioned, I, I've not, you know, can't can't relate to it directly, but I can imagine how bad it was. And uh, Yeah, I have to, I'll also have to ask Austin what he thought of it. I, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm good friends with him. I actually just saw him last night. It's actually, you know, Austin actually wrote the exact same coaster that I wrote. Um, ask him about Cobra at Freizeitland Geiselwind. That's the exact same coaster. It got relocated. And okay. The oh, it's thing. the same exact one. Yeah. I'll have to ask him. Yeah, I was saying I just saw him last night, but again, I didn't know to ask him about this last night. But uh, yeah. And, and by the way, do you, um, you know, Austin is, he's been on the podcast before. He's well known in the, and then the community with his an amazing talent for no limits and, and uh, you know, planet coaster and so forth with his concept POVs and just renderings in general. 
Uh, and I know that's one of your passions. You talked about that earlier and you, you share yeah. stuff with me. Um, do you ever talk to Austin? Like, get, you know, kind of share kind of thoughts about, you know, modeling the, the coasters or get advice from him or anything like that? Um, no, I, I actually, we don't talk too much. Um, I only once messaged him how I like that he ranks Blue Fire much higher. Once again, we're back at Blue Fire, but um, mm -hmm. we don't. Yeah. talk too much for that because uh, okay I don't, yeah i would really, yeah. really love to meet him because he seems like a cool person yeah. oh yeah no he's he's an awesome guy uh very very down to earth i mean he has more more instagram followers than well many more than the aforementioned yeah uh youtube channel we talked about earlier uh and uh well deservedly mind you and uh you know he's got he's really built up uh, a huge following. I mean, I've known him and been friends with him since late 2018 when he was just getting his channel started before he moved to Orlando. And how his channel has grown, you know, YouTube, Instagram, etc., is is really amazing. And I'm really proud of him. And he deserves it. He works really hard. He did, and he not only does he do great POVs and concept POVs, but he has great videos. He does great, real, you know, real world video content, and blogs, and you know, things like that. And yeah. And, he, and he really covers the parks well, too. Uh, but, yeah, when you come to Orlando, finally, uh, definitely have to introduce you to him. He lives only about a mile away from me, so I do see him periodically. Um, but I encourage you to reach out to him more. Um, and, you know, in a way, whenever you have any questions about, you know, no limit stuff or, you know, looking for advice or whatnot, because he's very friendly, loves helping people. So, um, yeah. But anyway, it's just curious that you mentioned that. So... Thanks for kind of going through your favorite, least favorite, crazy moments, some good, good, uh, good stories there. So thank you for that. So now uh, I want to talk to you about a couple of questions that I uh, I'm asking you specifically. I try to personalize each of the interviews that I do to some degree or another. And uh, I knew what I needed to ask you about is obvious. So, you know, we've talked about home parks and you know, everyone is fine of their home park. But in my opinion, in your case, you kind of take how passionate you are about your home park to the next level. Uh, so kind of tell our audience kind of what you do with your home park and, and, and so forth. It's a little, that's different. So, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, my home park is Europa Park. And this past year, I've kind of found a side quest or a side hobby, which is um, like Europa Park is a pretty huge park. Like it's one of the biggest in Europe, actually the second biggest after Disney uh, in Paris. But um, I realized that when I go to a new theme park, I'm quite overwhelmed for, at first and I don't know what to do. So I decided um, to uh, like just post on my story you know, if you go to Europa Park to your first time, um, reach out to me and I would happily guide you to uh, through the park because um, I know a lot of things about Europa Park, a lot of tips and tricks and all of that stuff, hidden paths, um, when to ride which coaster. And um, I want to make their, uh, the first day of certain or, or like of when enthusiasts visit the park for the first time, 
I want to guide them through the park um, as best as I could with my tips and tricks that I know to make their uh, first day uh, much more memorable and much more easy and less intimidating because having over a hundred attractions is quite overwhelming. You don't know where to start. And with all the tricks that I know, I try to really paint a good picture or a good first impression by using the tricks that I know uh, to really, to really make the first day um, not as troubling as when you would go there alone. So that's really my goal. Uh, just helping people comprehend the size uh, of this park. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, that, yeah, Mark, yeah, absolutely. And that's fantastic. And, you know, I, you did that with me the first time we met, you know, we talked in advance uh, and, you know, several friends of mine who we had met earlier that summer last year, they told me about you and, you know, they posted so positively about you, how helpful you were. And so Anthony in particular, one of those friends I talk to all the time, I, I asked him about you, I said, oh yeah, Mark's awesome. You should reach out to him. He's a really nice guy. And so, you know, you and I started talking before I got, went out there for the first time in October and then we met up that first day and it was an awesome time. And, you know, then we hung out again in December and, and um, yeah, you, you are, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, it's not like an advertisement, but it sort of is. Um, you know, I hear we we're here in an interview here. I encourage all of our listeners. Well, first of all, separate from Mark here, uh, I encourage all listeners. If you, you know, you talk about planning trips and what parks to go to and bucket lists and all this and that, um, Germany has one of the most incredible one, two punches of park lineups in the world. And I've been all over the world. I've not been to all the parks. <laughs> a lot of parks I haven't been to, but I've been to some of the some of the what are considered the best. And the combination of Fantasyland and Europa Park, it, it, it cannot be beat. Uh, on my parks ranking list, Fantasyland's number one, and Europa is number five. And number five is is a very good ranking for all the parks I've been to. And you know, fantastic parks. You got to hit both of them. And yeah, along the lines of what Mark mentioned, kind of alluded to, uh, he's talked about, you know, spending your first day with him. So I encourage, you know, all of our listeners to reach out to Mark. You'll, you'll learn at the end of the interview, all of, like we do with all of our guests, how to get a hold of him. He's very easy to contact uh, and, you know, coordinate things in advance. So he'll do his best with his schedule to, to meet up with you. Um, but to his point, your first day, uh, Fantasyland and especially Europa Park, First time you visit those parks, you've got to spend more than a day there. Europa Park in just a day, it, it would be awful. And, and you would miss out so much. And so, you know, it's good to spend your first day with Mark. He'll show you tips and tricks. He'll take you on all the coasters, uh, even some of the other rides. Um, uh, but like anyone, Mark, he likes certain things and not others. You know, you know for example, uh, Mark's not big on water rides. He's not big on shows. But he'll he'll kind of show you where things are and he'll answer questions and you know so that way that first day you'll kind of do a lot of stuff he likes which is most of the the major things the coasters and everything but your second day you can kind of revisit the ones you liked and do some of the other stuff yeah again Europa Park has so much to do and so much which is is such high quality and so unique so you know again I I'm, I you know I'm kind of talking you up Mark but you deserve it and. Yeah, I can relate to what you do, by the way, Mark, because whether it be my home parks or just parks I know well, 
Um, one of my favorite things, period, to do in life, like absolutely favorite things, is to take a friend on a coaster that I love that they've not been on yet, or even better, so I guess the true favorite, is to take someone to a park they've never been to before and show them around and play tour guide and help them and see, enjoy that park that I go to so much through their eyes with their excitement for the first time experiencing it. So is that kind of part of what it is for you, Mark, is, is you like to see people's reactions to your home park? Um, there's definitely the, a big park, but I also know from first-hand experience, um, like I went to Fantasialand and uh, for the first time in 2021 and everything was so overwhelming. If I wouldn't have yeah. had my friend who went there a year before Fly opened, I would have been way too overwhelmed and wouldn't have known what to do. And so I want to I wanna make it, yeah, uh, as I mentioned before, easy for people to um, like have a good first day at the park. You know, I know the best, times when to ride which coaster, when the shortest lines will be at which attraction. Um, I want to I wanna make people just have to, to not think about things uh, that are like minuscule, like wait times and what to ride next and, and all of that. But I also um, really like seeing people's reactions. Like I want to, I, when, when, for example, when we first got on Blue Fire, I, I really wanted to see the reaction and how much I how much they like the coaster and whatever. This is definitely a big part, but um, there are so many other small reasons why I do this. Um, naturally, because hanging out with other enthusiasts at a park is much more fun than when you go alone. Sure, sometimes going alone is also good because you can do what you want, but meeting sure. people with the same passion as you like makes a day infinitely better so yeah those sure, are sure no absolutely reasons. yeah yeah and one thing mark is also really good at i didn't mention yet is uh, you know mo not everyone but most coaster enthusiasts most park enthusiasts people listening to this podcast you know we like photography and you know taking photos of coasters and parks and recording videos and you know upright videos and things like that which i certainly do enjoy and mark mark loves that he has good content on his channel to that end and he's really good about showing you he's talking about paths and hidden places he's really good about taking you to places in the park to really film well i remember one of my favorite moments from our first visit together mark was wodan which is an incredible gci well i think one of my favorites certainly um you know you can get so close to to go down to the track and to the train uh, and film in a totally legal public area. And it's, it, most people wouldn't even know about it, but you do. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to mention all that um, getting close to Woden and blue fire. We um, don't hop any park fences and all, um, all of these places that Andrew just mentioned were accessible by either um, going off, uh, off the path for like uh, a few inches and all, so don't hop fences, uh, stay on the regular par park paths that are intended. Don't, don't, don't be stupid, pretty much. So Absolutely. Yeah. No, very good point. Uh, That's a really good point, Mark. And it's especially important in Europe 
Uh, again, uh, you know, this is really for our, our American audience, which is most of our listeners are here in the U.S., that uh, in Europe, they, they don't have um, people suing parks. It's not like it is here in the U.S. when everyone sues everyone else for for things that were really their own fault and, you know, and things like that. They don't have that kind of culture, which is a good thing over in Europe. So people, you know, if you may, if something happens, you people take their own responsibility for it. So I'm not saying the parks aren't safe. But you'll see, for example, the rapids rides in Europe don't have restraints. So you, you have to keep yourself in the boat, you know, and from falling around. Uh, and, and, you know, similarly, you know, the pathways, you know, they have fences and, and protective areas, but they're not as thorough necessarily as the U.S. So you want to be mindful and be, be intelligent about things. And again, Mark, he's just taking you on pathways that are kind of go back, but they're public pathways and you're, you know, you're not, you're not going off in the bushes or anywhere unsafe. It's just, he's showing you areas of the park that people don't often go, uh, but are publicly accessible. So, but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. So, Actually, one, uh, one of my favorite yeah. places um, that I'm going to mention um, is the Blue Fire Garden. Like, uh, you know, the place where oh, we yeah. the back area. Oh, yeah. And that's, um, yeah. I said about uh, when I'm at my home park, I am uh, really happy I forget all my, uh, all, the th all my problems. That Blue Fire Garden is one of the places that, like, that is my favorite place at the park. And I can just sit there you know i can go to the park and just sit in that back area in that back garden and just be happy i don't even have to write anything i can just sit there and yeah that's one of the places um it's very hidden if you don't uh, immediately uh, like check all the paths uh you, you you have to know where you're going but uh yeah, that's definitely a place that I can recommend. But I'll definitely show that to you if you come out to your local park. So uh, that's that. Sure, sure. Yeah, I encourage everyone to reach out to Mark. So Mark, you've started doing this in the past year or two. So do you have a, a rough estimate of how many people you met up with since you started doing this? Um, I met up with exactly five people, you know, Airtime Monkey and Civilian Satellite, Vince. Yeah, Vince, uh, yeah. Then I also met Coaster Dash. He's a, a kind of big YouTuber. Uh, yeah. And his brother also joined us. And then, of course, you, Andrew, twice. Um, so, yeah, I only really had five people so far. And I'm not intending on stopping anytime soon. So, uh, nice. yeah nice i mean in my opinion mark you could be a, you could have a job at uh, europa park as a tour guide as like a vip tour guide and some that sort of thing and very knowledgeable you know and, and uh, you europa, know you also point out europa park hit me up hit me up europa park <laughs> yeah you, hopefully they're listening um but you also point out all these little hidden like easter eggs like roland mock you know he's on the he's one of the the um uh, uh he's on the ride of pirates of batavia you see him in one of the sections, uh, you know, and all the history of, of uh, the, the history of Europa Park and the Mach family is fascinating. I mean, it's rare that you go to a park that's owned by a company that makes coasters themselves. You know, it's not that's not common. So and this is the history of, of Europa Park and how. Yeah, it's just a, it's just wild. So so, Mark, um, you know, we're talking a lot, about, a lot about Europa Park. So in your opinion, what do you think makes Europa Park so special? 
I mean, I can only talk from my side. I mean, it's the place that sure. I like. It's the theme park that I've been going to since childhood. I connect, connect a lot of childhood memories with that place. But um, it's also really special because, um, you know, it's a park owned by a family rather than a big corporation. And this family um, really, really, um, they really focus on having a great guest experience uh, uh just just um operating the park with love um decorating everything like it you just feel the atmosphere it's just very very positive and all uh you know staff there they all love to be there they love they love their jobs and uh, the employees get treated very nicely and also the park is not uh, very ex very expensive it's actually quite cheap um like they 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 take a lot of um how do you say it they take a lot of pride in having a great guest experience and um being making uh, or like making guests have a great day uh, over than profits and uh, over profits and like they 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 love their guests and that's really when a park focuses more on guest satisfaction um sure money is also um really important like they also need cash or uh, an an income but they um also care about customer experience and because they care so much about customer experience a lot of people uh, feel like or like uh, this place is very special to a lot of people including me so i think that's the best way to put it yeah i couldn't agree more with everything you said and europa park is an incredibly special park the, the experience is extremely high quality uh it, it's one of the most beautiful parks i've ever been to if not the most beautiful uh it it's one of the largest parks that's in the world. I mean, what does it have? What, 13 coasters, right? Yeah. Yeah, 13 coasters. But you have to keep in mind, this is not a Six Flags. This is not a Cedar Fair Park. This is a theme park, a highly themed park that has 13 coasters, many of which are fantastic. Wodan, Bluefire, Euromir, Eurosat, uh, Arthur, even though it's a junior coaster, fantastic. Uh, even the even the Mach Power family coaster there, is is great um uh the their their um, wild mouse coaster is fantastic and um, there's so many good coasters pirates in batavia again this is a hot take and listeners know how much i love disney and I, I know you don't mark um but pirates in batavia is easily better than every pirates ride that disney has in the world except the one in shanghai that's right it is better than the one in disneyland as far as i'm concerned uh, you know, again, maybe a hot take, and I'm talking about the new version of it, not the one that existed before it burned. You know, it had the fire a few years ago, so they, I know they made a lot of improvements on it, from what Mark told me. But again, great coasters, great dark rides, great water rides. I know, Mark, you're not into shows, but Europa Park has some of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. In a park or out of a park, doesn't matter. Just the quality of entertainment there is absolutely amazing um another thing and mark was actually helpful with this the food selection at europa park is is truly second to none 
it Europa Park, given the nature of it, it celebrates the countries of Europe, and each land is a different uh, European country, and there's quite a few of them. Uh, how, do you have any lands? Do you have an account of that, Mark? Um, I, I I know most of the lands, but I probably wouldn't be able to like list them all right now. Uh, I would probably. But it's, it's like fifteen to twenty, right? It's like fifteen uh, to twenty. Yeah, something like that. But I I, I think That's sixteen insane. was the number, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. be too sure. I mean, most parks have, you know, three, four, five, six lands, you know, not 16. Uh, and some of these are bigger than others, but each of each of the, each country has food from that country and a very good selection. And you've got quick service, table service, the, uh, you know, Mark's not a big fan of, but I love the uh, uh, food loop, the coaster, uh, uh, the coaster themed restaurant where everything's delivered to you by a roller coaster, really wild experience, um, uh, really good food in my opinion too. Um, but I got to have some really good Swiss food that, of course, Mark's home country in Switzerland. There's a Swiss section there in the park. And uh, it, the Reclets, which is the kind of fresh shaved cheese, Swiss cheese with uh, meats or vegetables and really, really good, really, really good stuff. But um, just great food. It's just a beautiful park to walk around. It's a fantastic park to walk around. And just, yeah, it's just such a pleasure to to be in that park and mark i totally understand why you get the theme park therapy there because it's just you don't have to get on a ride there you just walk around and be and be escaping from the world and the mock family they clearly put their heart and soul into that park and they, they're very proud of it and as they should be um it's just a, a, an incredible incredible park and you're you're fortunate to have it as your own park in my opinion yeah, so there's quite a weird thing that I have to mention that I am fortunate to live really, really close to Europe Oregon, that this is my home park. Um, in the last couple of years, like leading up to 2021, I was kind of, kind of, you know, desensitized. Is that how you say that? Um, but I, I, it really, the park, now don't get me wrong the park is fantastic <laughs> it's beautiful but every time i would go there up until 2021 it would just feel like another europa park visit and i am um, it kind of lost the um kind of special place uh, status for me but then i realized and hmm. um, yeah i was kind of desensitized and it, it didn't really feel special anymore but then I realized, hey, wait a second, this is one of the best parks in the world and you are lucky to live this close to it. And so now I've come to appreciate every visit uh, once again. So um, that's qu quite a weird thing that I noticed lately. Um, yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. You kind of had a reset of your, of your kind of thoughts about the park and kind of grew a new appreciation of it and better perspective. That's, that's great. And you know, I think I know one thing you appreciate is I know you love Fantasia land like I do, but you know, these parks are not expensive to go to, but still, you know, if, if you want to go to a park a lot, it adds up, you know, even if you're to buy day tickets uh, and at Fantasia land, you don't you have a choice. They don't offer season passes anymore. They haven't offered them since before COVID and so it becomes expensive to visit Fantasyland more than a few times in a year. Whereas your home park, Europa Park, they still offer season passes. 
actually Europa Park doesn't offer season passes anymore because the demand was so high that they reached the number of limits of season passes that they can sell. Season passes at Europa Park are currently not available because there are just so many season passes that they have sold. So they had to. But you have one, right? Yeah, I do have one. Yeah, but they can literally not sell any new season passes right now because the demand is just so high. Wow, and I mean Europa Park has a huge capacity because it's so large and spread out. And wow, that's crazy that they can't. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Well, yeah, thanks for talking about your open park. And again, I cannot emphasize how special it is. And hopefully between me talking about it here once again on the podcast and Mark, hearing it from Mark as well, listeners are um, impressing upon how special and unique this park is and encourage you to learn about it. And of course, go visit it. And if you do, please hit up Mark. He'd he'd, uh, happy to make sure your day is special. So, and uh, thank you for that for Mark. So um, one of uh, the uh, earliest and oldest, long-standing, if you will, fans of Coaster Challenge uh, was this boy named Dusty. And he and his mom actually were both guests separately on, on the podcast in season one. And uh, Dusty is young, younger than you. You are, Mark. He was about 16, and he sadly passed away this past year. And David's known Dusty for a long, long time. And it hit David especially very hard. Dusty knew him personally, and David knew him personally, and uh, living there also in California where David is. And so David very poignantly um, wanted to, us to start asking this next question. So, so basically, Mark, the framing of this is thinking about mortality and, you know, hopefully you'll live a very long life. You're a young guy, but, you know, if, if after your life is complete, and yeah, how would you want your family, your friends, colleagues to remember you by? Like, what would you like them to think of when they think of you? Um, you know, I had this question. You gave me the question, as I already mentioned, a couple of weeks back, and I haven't really thought, about, or like, I have seen this question quite a lot, but I don't really know what to really, really say. But, um, yeah, I, I just want... Uh, myself to be remembered like uh, as i am a a, a, a happy guy i'm loving uh, to uh, like i i love europa pork that's like part of my identity and i just want yeah i don't know what to say just remember me as a happy dude that lived his life going to europa park yeah no, that's I good i like it say. i mean you you are i mean it's sort of this won't come as a shocker to anyone listening to this, given what we talked about and how you how you mentioned things, Mark. But you know, not only are you a great person to guide people at the at Europa Park, and you love doing it. You are very passionate about your home park. I mean, all of us we well, actually, not all of us necessarily love our home parks. You know, some people have regional parks, you know, that aren't so great as their home park, but. You know, it's their closest park. Uh, some people don't have many parks near them at all. Yeah. You know, maybe just one park, and it's not great, but it's their only, it's their home park. But you have, you know, Europa Park is a world-class park, one of the best in the world. And, you know, been going there since you were a very young age. You go there all the time, and and you're very passionate about it. And it's very understandable. So um, that's a good way to be, to want to be remembered by. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you know, of all the people, you know, just in the past year, you've had, what, five people, as you mentioned, 
kind of take you up on the offer to have them meet up with you and show you, you show them around and, you know, you're only 23. So you can imagine how many, you know, maybe even hundreds of people through your life, you may wind up introducing to Europa Park and you'll have all these people remembering you in that way that, you know, Mark was this amazing guy that, that was so generous with his time to show, show about me, his home park. So that's, that's really, really meaningful. So I think that's good. So, you know, Mark, as you know, this podcast is all about theme park therapy. So can you think of any advice that you'd like to give those that are listening in terms of theme park therapy and trying to live a better life and, you know, in terms of going to the parks? Um, there's kind of something that I want to mention. I'm not sure if it fits into this question, but sure. um, I see quite a lot of coaster enthusiasts nowadays on Instagram, Reddit, whatever, uh, when they go to a park or when they talk about coasters online, they they really just um, talk about the big stuff like the big coasters like um, the Ride to Happiness, Terran, Fly, um, all the uh, top-notch uh, world-class coasters, and they kind of just push kitty coasters and all to the side and just trash about them. And I, for myself, when I was at Fantasialand, uh, I had to get all the credits and all, because, you know, I'm a coaster enthusiast, I get all the credits. Um, when I wrote Rike, then I realized, hey, wait a minute, um, Rike is just a family coaster, but um, if, you set you, uh, if you set your mind to it, or if you um, go into the coaster with the right mindset, you can enjoy every coaster that you want, even if it's just a small kitty coaster and all. And I just feel like a lot of coaster enthusiasts just are focused on all of those world-class coasters and all the kitty coasters are just side quests to get the virtual coaster credit number up. But um, for me, riding any coaster, like either be it small or big be it a family coaster or a thrill coaster just try to have a fun on every coaster that you ride because a coaster enthusiast you're a coaster enthusiast your passion is roller coasters and size of the coaster or status of the coaster shouldn't really be a limit to how much fun you have on which coaster and so i say to a lot of people or that I meet, try to have fun even on the smallest coaster because if you really set your mind to it, you can have a great time on any coaster. And I certainly realized that with Rike because uh, it's just a coma family coaster, but um, I had the mindset of, hey, this is a roller coaster. It might not be the biggest, but um, I, I, I enjoyed these rides that I had really much because I just went into this coaster with the right mindset. So, uh, yeah, try to enjoy every coaster, even though it might be small. Because yeah, you know, I think Mark, that's really good point. That's that's um, that's good advice, and uh, no one's ever given that advice before. But really, it's powerful advice if you think about it, because you're encouraging people to have a more positive mindset and a more open kind of mind when they're at parks. And, and, you know, giving 
giving people a reminder that they can probably enjoy themselves more with that variety and appreciating everything that's there, not just like the number one or two posters in a park. And you know, it's funny. I was just talking to David about this offline um, a couple of days ago. We were talking about, you know, we have various people, friends, guests that have been on the show and they're well known for um, marathoning us a single coaster a certain coaster you know keeping track of rerides and these are people and they're again all friends of ours not say anything bad about them but they have you know thousands of rides on a given coaster nothing wrong with that but that's just not just personal preference that's not how i am i keep track of rerides on velocicoaster because it's my number two and it's it's literally next door to where i live and this is fun. I don't really keep track of rerides besides that. But for me, I like riding all sorts of rides. And that's all sorts of coasters, dark rides, water rides, flat rides. I like enjoying all of it. I don't just go again and again and again on my, my favorite coaster at a park. And, you know, to your point, you know, you mentioned Reich specifically, Mark, which is at Fantasialand. Um, you know, then this is just an opinion, but I would say Reich is the I don't, I don't want to say the worst but the lowest ranked coaster at Fantasyland that i would rank and it's still a great ride it's a family coaster yeah. it's a family boomerang non-inverting but that's how stacked the lineup is at Fantasyland. that what is still a great ride is their weakest coaster and then you, everything is up from there i mean i think a coaster that some enthusiasts, for example, like your, to your point, Mark, that wouldn't necessarily spend all that time on is another, I think, you know, potentially underrated coaster like Blue Fire, and that's Colorado Adventure. Colorado Adventure is the most incredible mind train coaster I've ever ridden in my life. How forceful. That one is, so is so good. Yeah, it's so good, but everyone focuses on, yeah, my number one, Taryn, my number three, <laughs> Fly, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I love them, but there are so many hidden gems and, and I don't want to say hidden gems, but so many other rides at, you know, at Fantasyland and Europa Park, at these parks we're talking about that are so good. It's good to kind of spread the wealth and, and just enjoy it all. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate that. That's great, great advice, Mark. Can I, um, can I, before, before we end the podcast, can I just mention Euromir at, at least once? Yeah, 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 yeah. Please, it's a that's another underrated coaster. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to say about it? Yeah, I just wanted to mention it, give it some credit because uh, it's it's awesome. I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I love it. No, Euromir. I love you. Know how much I love Euromir as well. It's a fantastic ride. It's got a great layout, especially the second half is really great positives. Uh, the iniquity of it spinning. You know, you can go down the drop, that first kind of bigger drop backwards which is really cool and luck of the draw but oh, it's got a really fun layout i love the way it looks the theming of it sometimes the you know, the music in the station on the lift is really cool especially halloween time um and uh, you know it's yeah it's a great great ride um the other thing i want to mention real quick i forgot to mention earlier you know talking about how you're so kind to offer um to be a guide for europa park another reason why that's important uh, and this, this comment replies to Fantasyland as well. Both of these parks, they're two of the most amazing parks in the world. And they're both not the easiest parks to get around. You know, Mark talked about, you know, parks being intimidating. 
for the first time. Well, part of the intimidating factor of these two parks is they don't have a hub spoke or circular layout. They're, they're very unique kind of, in one case, Europa Park, very spread out, but not kind of neatly organized uh, park. And then in Fantasialand, because it's a much, it's a smaller park, but because it's land starved, it literally rides are built on top of each other. I mean, the, the, you know, the, um, the, it's almost like a, one of the wonders of the world, how the rides are built at Fantasialand, because you can see how they're just stacked and well layered on top of each other. It's just incredible how 3D, if you will, so to speak, Fantasialand is now it's built up uh, to, to have all that it has in such a small space. But that also makes it confusing to get around. And it wasn't until the second visit uh, this past December that I started really learning how things are really connected at the park and had a shortcut and go from one land all the way over here. And similarly, Europa Park, as Mark will show you, Europa Park is so big that it has not one but two separate monorail systems. And these monorail systems, not like Disneyland, you can very functionally use to get from one side of the park to the other. So, you know, very important. I wanted, I wanted to add something to that point. Europa Park has uh, is so complicated, um, and the paths are so there are so many paths uh, to the point. I know this park pretty well, like. I know most of the paths, if not all, you know about that's the line, not all. There are still some paths that I discovered that I didn't even know existed. Like there are some wow. paths that I didn't even know. It's so it's so it's so complicated. Um, but also Fantasialand. Uh, I have been to this park for uh, a total of five days. Luckily, I am one that can quickly memorize a path layout. The coaster yep. layout and all and and all of that, um, but um, if I were to be one person that wouldn't have such an easy time um, remembering a park layout, like that would be really like hell for me. Like all, like I I couldn't imagine dealing with a park layout that you don't know, and so that's also one of the reasons, like making it easier for people to uh, get a grasp of the park layout and all of that so uh, yeah yeah no absolutely that's a good point and yeah it's uh it makes a difference and so yeah you can help people with that especially your open park so uh mark thank you so much for uh, taking the time here to talk and talk about thank your you. uh, facing fears and you kind of your experience with coasters and of course all your your great experiences at europa park and and especially with Blue Fire and, uh, you know, talking about how you can show people around. And, and speaking of that, so, of course, for, for you to be able to meet up with people, they have to get a hold of you. So uh, for the last thing we always ask our guests is how people can connect with with you and uh, find you on social media and so forth. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I, I have an Instagram account, of course, and I also do have a YouTube account uh, on both. I am named Swiss. Coaster enthusiast uh, on Instagram. Uh, between both of the words, are, are, or all like I am at Swiss underscore coaster underscore enthusiast, and on YouTube I'm also Swiss coaster enthusiast, just regular. And um, yeah, that Instagram is the best way to contact me. I, I I go on Instagram every five minutes to check on <laughs> stuff, even though I know I checked it already. Like I. 
there the chances are high that I will see your message within at least uh, one hour. And um, yeah, that's definitely the easiest way to contact me. So yeah, yeah, I can I can tell our listeners from personal experience from talking to you quite a bit on Instagram that you're yeah you're good about responding and and you're on there a lot and 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 i love instagram instagram is fantastic it's it's like thuzi central it's where all the thuzis are it's not twitter it's really not facebook um and it's the, the instagram is where things are at so actually you know as i like to do sometimes <laughs> um you know sometimes i think of advice to give our listeners as well and here's one of those moments uh it's you know um you know, i know social media can be a positive and a negative but listeners if you don't have an Instagram account, and I have a couple Thuzi friends who just they won't get Instagram accounts, and I keep trying to tell them to do it. Uh, if you don't have an Instagram account, you're really missing out. It's a very positive area. There's not a lot of toxicity like you have on Facebook and Twitter, and there's so many Thuzis on there, and it's just great. A lot of a lot of photos and videos, and you know, it's just great, great stuff. So, uh, and again, one of the many people you can meet on there is Mark. So, Mark, thanks for sharing where people can find you. Uh, and again, thank you for being on the podcast today. It was uh, great talking to you. Thank you for inviting me. It was a nice time. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. All at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.